I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, up there in the Northwest, which is kind of what Knoxville, Tennessee looks like uh, most of the time in the winter, which is dreary, wet, and cold. Sean Hyken of Rosegun Report. Sean, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right, Chase. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Is it? Did I describe what it's like in Portland today? Yeah. Yeah, it's been like that for most of the month. Mm. Are you okay with that weather? Like, I know you were a Chicago guy for a while, and you we talked about it where you said you could handle the winters. I, I'm not built for that. Um, but are you? Could you ever be a coast guy? Like, could you ever be the the tan and do the LA beat if you if you had the opportunity, Miami or something? I would rather live somewhere that's too cold than somewhere mm. that's too hot because you can layer up. You can. It's mm-hmm. easier to get yourself warmer than to get yourself cooler. That's kind hmm. of the way I oh I, I realize that's probably an unpopular opinion, but I never minded the winters in Chicago. No, but were, did, were you okay with it right away or did you have to ease into it? Because that's what I've always heard is like from the Minnesota folks. It's like once you're here for a while, you just your body acclimates to the tundra or was it a right away thing for you because we're roughly we're tall skinny guys like i just i don't i don't see our frames doing well in that climate year well my year first year there was mm. the 2013-14 winter which was the one of the i mean i'm sure this term has been used for other chicago winters since then but i remember that one being called the polar vortex at the time <laughs> and I survived it, and then the, supposedly the next year was even cooler. It was about the same to me. I was actually just uh, before the before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I was in Denver for a couple of days because mm-hmm. the Blazers were playing a game there. I don't normally travel for road games, but I was in Vegas for the G League showcase, and so I decided mm-hmm. to pop down there because it was like the day after. And it just so happened that the day, the couple days that I was in Denver mm. were like the two coldest days on record there. And honestly, like, I don't want to say it was nothing, but it was like, this isn't anything I haven't already seen in Chicago. Interesting. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, well, you cover the Portland Trailblazers uh, yes. extremely well for the Rose Garden Report. Go subscribe, folks, if you have not already done so. Um, but... This team in a weird spot. They're in that play-in territory. Obviously, I think the last time we were talking, they were at the top of the West. Uh, if I remember, that first. sounds about right. That was that was like the first two or three weeks of the season. They started out ten and four. Yeah. After that first big road trip where they went four and two and beat a bunch of good teams, and then what happened, Sean? 
I mean, they came back down to earth a little bit. I think they were mm. kind of there, there were so there were a few things at play. Mm. One is, I mean, just like the Jazz. Now, I think they're gonna end up with a much better record than the Jazz because we're already kind of starting to see the Jazz kind of mm. fall out of even the play-in picture at this point. But like, they were probably playing a little bit above their heads mm. in that first three weeks of the season, but then. I also don't think they're as bad as they've been the last few weeks where they lost the five games in a row. I, 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 I have been saying since the beginning of the season mm-hmm. that if they can, if if they end up as a top six seed and avoid the play, and that is like a phenomenally successful season for them. I still mm. think that's within the realm of possibility, just because the margins are so tight with the West where like they're not very good right now, but really neither is anybody else outside of the top three teams. Like the three teams that we know for a fact are good in the West right now are Denver, Memphis, and New Orleans. And everybody else is just kind of like, even as, as up and down as the Blazers have been, they're like three games out of fourth right now. Mm. And I think they're 11th. So it's, that's how thin the margins are now. Part of it. I mean, there, there are a few really close games that they dropped that were like very winnable that, you know, that, that can kind of swing it the other way. But then I think health also had a lot to do with it, where Chauncey Billups was basically just by necessity playing because, you know, Gary Payton II missed, you know, a lot of the beginning of the season, and he just came back within the last couple of weeks. And then mm. uh, Nasir Little just came back over the weekend. He missed six weeks with a hip injury. Justice Winslow has been out for a few weeks with an ankle injury. So you have your five starters, and then your, your entire bench while those guys are out is basically two rookies, Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, mm-hmm. two second-year guys, uh, Trenton Watford and Keon Johnson, and then Drew Eubanks. And, like, that's your bench unit. And so, by necessity, then you're playing your starters a lot more minutes than they think they want to play guys. And your lineups just kind of get out of whack. And I think that, I think ultimately it's going to come back around. Like, I, and I'll, t- I'll tell you this, the people with the team, whether it be, you know, Dame, Chauncey, you know, people in the front office, I've been talking to them over the last few weeks about, you know, as they've kind of had this little this little slide, this little tailspin. They are entirely unworried about. Like, they are hmm. not, like, they do not think that, like, oh, the season's falling apart. We might miss the playoffs. You, in particular, you listen to Dame talk about it. And, you know, I've covered Dame for long enough. We've observed him long enough. He doesn't really say stuff he doesn't believe. And so when he hmm. says, look, we're fine, we have to just kind of stay the course, you kind of believe him because you know that he believes it. So I, I think, like, they could be in a much better spot right now. Like, some a lot of where they are is self-inflicted, the turnover issues, which has kind of gone away a little bit lately, but that's been an issue. So is, like, a lot of their late-game scoring and stuff. But they could be in a lot worse spot than they are right now, and I think ultimately they're going to end up being okay. If you had to guess, we brought Dame on right now. I'd be like, "Why are you? Why are you okay? Like, why do you? Why are you optimistic about where things are going? What? What do you think his first answer would be?" Well, we've asked him that many mm. times over the last. Honestly, few weeks, though, like if he, we get the the truth serum, what do you think it well, is? Well, the thing is, Dame Dame is a pretty honest guy about this mm. kind of stuff. He's not somebody who's just going to go up and give a cliched answer about. Stuff. I mean, there are some other guys that do that. I've. You know, in my years covering Dame, I've always found him to be pretty unfiltered and pretty mm-hmm. authentic. But he's also just a, just by nature, he's a pretty level-headed guy. Like I, I think he just feels like, you know, he sees what happens every day at practice. He feels like everybody is still sort of bought in. He's also acknowledged, and this is something a lot of people in the organization have acknowledged, is that it's still kind of a new group, and there's really mm-hmm. not a lot of 
you know, they still have to figure out, like, how to integrate all these new pieces, and there's going to be some stuff. Like, a lot of the turnovers that they've had, a lot of them are, like, self-inflicted. A lot of them are, like, bad passes or, like, you throw to somebody and, like, he didn't rotate over right. A lot of it is, like, you look at it and you're like, you can see what they were trying to do there. Mm. It's just not all the way there yet. And I think Dame has been through this enough times that he feels like we're going to get there and that it's not, you know, time to panic because they had a little bit of a losing skid in January. Now, if they're still around the low end of the play-in and, fl- and flirting with 11 in March and April, then maybe that's a different conversation. But I I think they, they feel like they're okay right now. You can land wherever you want to land on that right now. But that, that's... The people whose opinion about this stuff actually matters, they are, for the most part, pretty unconcerned about where they are right now. They have a positive point differential, plus 0.5. It's above Phoenix, above Dallas, above Miami, above mm-hmm. Golden State, Memphis, yeah. like LA Clippers. Like, you can go up and down the list. They're, they're right there at 13th. And the thing, too, that I wonder, um, when you look at their lineups and you sort through different things and you watching all these games, Sean, I'm curious, why does the... Simons, Josh Hart, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic lineup just really, really stink. Why is that one just horrible offensively? And why is the, the plus minus so bad for that one? That's like their only real atrocious big lineup that they used a lot to this point. Well, I think there's the two people you kind of look at in that. One of them, just when you're talking about offensively, is mm. Josh Hart, who, you know, he's one of the most important guys on the team in terms of mm. what he brings defensively, the, you know, the rebounding, all that kind of stuff. But offensively, a lot of times, I mean, somebody sent me a stat a a few days ago. I don't know if this is accurate as of this second because a few games have happened since then. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But at one point within the last couple of weeks, he was 13th on the team in usage but leading the team in turnover percentage. Hmm. And there's also been kind of an issue lately with him uh, not being willing to take open threes, Hmm. which... He's not a great three-point shooter, but he's like a, I think, career like 34, 35% three-point shooter, mm-hmm. which is which is certainly respectable. It's certainly enough that you can't just leave him open. But a lot of times what he'll do is he'll get the ball, he'll have a wide-open look at a three, and instead of just shooting it, he'll you know hesitate for a second and then dribble into either a worse shot or a turnover or a shot clock violation or something. So mm-hmm. there's that, that part of it. When you're talking about that specific lineup, there's that part mm-hmm. of it. And then the other part of it is, honestly, like, for as exciting as Shaden Sharp is and for as much upside as he has and, you know, how, you know, long-term his outlook is still really good, he's still a 19-year-old kid that's learning how to play at the NBA level, and he's going to have his ups and downs. And it's all rookie stuff. It's not anything anybody's worried about. It's just, you know, there are times he doesn't know the plays or when he doesn't know where to be. And, you know, sometimes I think he's gotten better lately about being willing to just take a shot when he gets it and it's open and not hesitate or dribble into a worse shot as much. But that kind of stuff is going to be up and down. So that that's really if you're asking me to pinpoint that lineup, I think that those are kind of the two issues with that lineup. What do you think is the best NBA skill Shaden Sharp is going to have? I think he has, well, I mean, you throw out the dunking, which he's already yeah. the best in the league at, but... Is he going like, in the dunk contest? Is that confirmed? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it is. Yeah, it is. He three, I believe three of the four contestants are confirmed. So it's okay. him, it's Kenyon Martin Jr. from the Rockets, mm. and then it's Mac McClung, who I which assume is, is going to be, I assume he's going to be dunking over his cousin Riff Raff, but I don't know. Uh, I don't <laughs> Wait, know is that, that a real, is that his real cousin? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, look it up. But, That's wild. Uh, yeah, it is. But uh, 
Yeah, so I, I think he has a lot of potential as if... And he's gotten... And again, this is something he's gotten a lot better at. Like, he his shot is so smooth and is so effortless. And he mm-hmm. needs to get... I think w- one of the things holding him back offensively is a lot of times he'll catch the ball on the perimeter. He needs to just go up with it and not, you know, take any dribbles. He needs to become more of a catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, he, he has the ability to you know, be a ball handler and be a cutter and be a driver. He like he has the ability to do all that stuff physically, but like that stuff is all I think gonna come along. But one thing I think he can just do right now mm. is gets the ball, has an open shot, he should just let it fly. And mm. guys and like Dame has told him, like other guys on the team have told him, like, you get the ball and you're open, just go shoot it. Don't worry about like your place in the hierarchy or whatever. If you're open, we want you to shoot is it. Is he getting so better think, about it? He has been, or I think over the last week or so. It's still very much a work in progress and i think defensively he has a lot of potential too and like we Mm. asked we asked chauncey billups about it uh, a week or so ago maybe actually it was just this past weekend but uh you know but what chauncey said about that about him defensively is that on the ball he's really good and he had you know he's come a long way there but it's still it's just like off the ball and like the help defense and that kind of stuff is something he has to get a lot better at but that's all just like rookie stuff and knowing where to be and trying to you know learn the schemes and learn the plays and it's you know it's a pretty steep learning curve when you go from not only you know not having not played in the nba before but he skipped the college level because he Mm. you know he played in aau and then he was on the team at kentucky didn't play at all at kentucky his freshman season so he you know it you're basically skipping a level of the development and you're asking him to know how to defend at an nba level and you know most rookies aren't gonna be able unless they're like a savant like you know, Davion Mitchell in his rookie mm. season last year with the Kings, there's like a couple of guys you can Jose point Alvarado to. Jose Alvarado, maybe? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can point to, say, like, oh, you know, this guy was a good defender at the NBA level right away. Like, it's going to take time for that to come along. Mm. Well, what do you think they do over the next month? If you had to guess, how do they reshuffle a little bit? Or do you think they do, they just stand pat, just like, let's get healthy and see where we're at? What do you think they ultimately decide to do? I think they make a couple of smaller trades. I don't hmm. know, like, I think they would like to make a bigger move if the right one presents itself. I don't know what that might be. I don't think Toronto is actually going to trade OG Ananobi. I think a hmm. lot of that is just sort of noise, but that's somebody that I know they were interested in last summer. So if that actually comes available, I would imagine that's something that they would revisit. So, like, I think, I think short of something like that coming available, which I don't expect it to, I think you're going to see them do a little bit of like, maybe you move like, I think the most likely guy to get moved at the deadline out of their main rotation players is probably Josh Hart, just because he's going to be a free agent this summer and they have to decide if they want to re-sign him. And he's also the kind of guy that is going to have value on all 30 teams. And so it's, it's like right in the, in the mix of like, he like checks all the boxes of a player whose salary is he's making like 13 million this year so it's Mm. like a salary that you can move and every team is going to have stuff that they could send back a guy that every team would want and also a guy that you might not be able to re-sign and keep long term so i think he's kind of josh hart for john collins I know they talked about John Collins. I don't. I think you'd have to throw in some other stuff for Portland yeah. to make the money work. But I know they talked about John Collins last summer. I think that might have been an either-or situation with him or Jeremy Grant. But mm. I don't know if I, I. I don't know where that stands right now. I. It, it, it's kind of hard to like 
talk about specific names right now just because the mm. trade market has just been so slow to develop because you know you talk to not just people within the Blazers front office but people in other front offices all the stuff that happened this summer the DeJounte Murray and Go- Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert trades just threw the market so out of whack that right now every team thinks that they can get that type of return for every one of their mm. guys like I saw a report I forget where it was from but it was somebody credible mm. I saw a report the other day that Detroit is open to trading Alec Burks but they want an unprotected first rounder and a good young player and it's like okay you're Alec Burks is good and like he'd help a lot of teams but a guy coming off the bench for one of the worst teams in the league is not going to get you a good young player and an unprotected first round pick so everything that's yeah. leaking right now about or like you know Houston still want two first rounds yeah for, and it's like what right, are you doing right are exactly doing? like like Houston thinks still thinking they'll get a first round pick for Eric Gordon in yeah, 2023 like that's not but like but like right now since we're three weeks out from the deadline, you might as well ask for that much just <laughs> yeah. in case somebody panics and gets desperate and you know decides to give it to you. You might as well make the ask because the worst thing that can happen is teams laugh you out of the room and then in a couple weeks you have to lower your price a little bit. Yeah. I think we're going to get to a trade deadline where both for Portland and for other teams, like asking prices like three days before the deadline are going to come way down hmm. from where they are right now and then it's going to be a lot easier to actually look at who's out there who's available who costs what who's gettable i'm just this is entirely me and i have to as somebody who actually covers the team and like talks to people in the organization i have to do the brian Windhorse like don't say, i'm not reporting this don't aggregate mm-hmm. this this thing mm-hmm. this is entirely just me throwing a name out there i have not this is not i have not heard that this is somebody that they're looking at but if i were them and you're looking at like making kind of more incremental upgrades and swapping out some of your bench guys like a Josh Hart or a Justice Winslow or somebody like for, for like guys that maybe fit your roster or fit, you know, positionally better. Mm-hmm. You know that San Antonio is like in the position where they're going to be trying to sell off a lot of their veterans and, you know, go after Wembenyama and they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of already in that process. Somebody like Doug McDermott is somebody that I mm-hmm. would be looking at for Portland where in turn, it like positionally, like it's a bigger shooter with size that can come off the bench and is in terms of what his asking price will be, I think he would be gettable for what they have to offer these teams. Like that's that's the sort of move. And I'm not even saying that's somebody that they're going to go after. I'm just throwing his name out there as an example of like, that's the caliber of guy, like a solid rotation player who maybe fits better with the other rosters, you know, w- you know, with the other guys in the roster than some of the rotation players they have right now. It's going to, I think it's going to be more something like that than hmm. something huge like an OG Ananobi or, you know, whoever else, like the quote-unquote big names are that are going to maybe come available at the deadline. I think if they do something big like that, they're going to at some point because, like, the ultimate goal, whether it's next year or the year after or whatever the case may be, is to actually try to contend while Dame is still kind of in the tail end of his prime. And in order to do that, eventually they're going to have to make like an all-in move where like you trade multiple first-round picks and rotation players and stuff for like a big, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I, I don't know, like Pascal Siakam, whoever. Wh- whoever like the guy is that comes available that is worth trading that much for. Eventually, they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen in three weeks. I think it would be more likely that something like that would happen in the off-season or even next deadline. But I think in the next three weeks... 
they're going to make a couple of moves that I think it's more going to be like incremental, like swapping out bench players for bench players that fit better or have better contract situations, more of that type of thing. Interesting. Well, speaking of upgrading and you're kind of figure it, trying to figure out how this is going to work and if they can even take a big swing, it's the Mavericks. And there's disputing reports from Ben McMahon and uh, Mark Cuban today about um, <laughs> if Luca. I saw has- that. Yeah, Luca. I'm gonna go ahead and stick with uh, Tim McMahon on that one. Uh, with, Tim's uh, usually Tim's usually pretty good about knowing mm-hmm. what's going on in that organization, regardless of whether the owner says on the record that he's lying. Like I, I'm, I'm, I tend to agree with you on that one. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't do any good to just say that publicly too, if you're a Cuban or anything like. like yeah, right. Luca absolutely went by, <laughs> went back and was pissed off, and it's like I want to, I need to upgrade this roster. Right. Like that doesn't benefit anybody. Um, that being said, I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm still pretty bullish on the Mavs, and I wasn't really panicking when they struggled to start out of the gate. Like, they have so many vets and so many streaky shooters on this roster. We saw this last year in a sense where I just... They're going to get hot at some point. Reggie Bullock was not going to shoot as poorly as he was early on. Like, eventually, it's going to all even out. My biggest issue is that... And this you can it this will be debated for months and months for Mavs Twitter and beyond. It's just that, like... Hey, you know, you can't lose Jalen Brunson for nothing. It's one thing to like whiff on the Porzingis thing. Like that was a, you took a shot. Like, Hey, like I, we get it. But like Jalen Brunson was a key cog in a Western conference finalist team that took a lot of pressure off Luca, um, in the playoffs. And you not only lost him, you lost him for nothing. And I think when you lose an asset like that for nothing, I think that was when under talked about portion of this off season where like, yeah, Luke can, can be upset, but they lost their best trade chip for nothing. And they, they replaced him with Christian Wood, basically. And, I mean, Christian Wood's playing a little bit better now, but, like, that's not, like, he can't be your number two on a title team. Like, this is just a weird spot. I don't know what his trade value is at this point. I don't know who they can really move outside, of, like, Tim Hardaway Jr. But, like, Luke can be mad, but I don't really know what the Mavs are supposed to do. Like, I don't know what they really can do with this roster i think they're pretty stuck what do you think they're in kind of a tough spot yeah for sure uh not only the you forgot to mention not only letting jalen brunson go for nothing but also you're using all of your free agent like ability to sign you know somebody a mid-level exception whatever deal they gave him on javel who doesn't even play because yeah. Jason Kidd hates him. Like it's it's just this roster even even going back before that like it's been mismanaged so much. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm with you. I thought the Porzingis trade was fine at the time because I think they thought he was going to get back to what he was in New York before he mm-hmm. tore his ACL and that that would be your co-star for Luka. It just didn't work out because he could never stay healthy and it was just never a great match. Like that happens. That's fine. Right. Whatever but I understood the thought process at the time, but they have just done such a bad job of building around Luca. Mm. And yeah, I mean, if I were Luca, I would also probably be looking around like, yeah, I don't know. Are you guys really like, like what are you guys going to do? But I, I, like you said, they still owe picks to New York from that Porzingis deal. And like, they don't have like, and it, this is actually really funny. I was, Last week on my own podcast, which mm. is also called the Rose Garden Report, which you can subscribe to, by the way, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and the Odyssey app. There you go. Uh, I just ha- because the Blazers just did a back to- one of those home back to backs with the Mavs, like the baseball mm. series uh, over the weekend, and I had uh, 
my buddy Kirk Henderson, who runs Mavs Moneyball, the estimation mm. site, I had him on. And I asked him, outside of Luka, you know you have your franchise player in Luka. Who mm. else on the roster do you look at and say, this is somebody that I want to have around Luka and build with long term? Mm. Who are the other guys that you're looking at and saying, whatever the future core of the Mavs is that's contending, who is it? And he said, mm. not one player on the roster. He said, there's not one guy that they have right now that he's looking at and says, whatever version of the Luka Mavs is contending, this guy has to be part of it. Hmm. And that's just not a great spot to be in when you don't have, also don't have like a lot of draft picks to be able to trade for your next guy. And I think they all like banked on, you know, that it was like them in Miami and Toronto were all banking on like, hey, Giannis is going to ask out in Milwaukee. And then he didn't. And he signed that hmm. extension. Like, I think, you know, the Mavs are always like, they've been over the years, you know, you go back to, you know, Dwight Howard back when that was like somebody that you wanted to go after, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Or, you know, I think like Darren Williams was the other one again, back when that was somebody that you like wanted to clear cap space for. They've been one of those teams. LaMarcus Aldridge was another one a few years ago. Mm. They've been one of the teams that says, you know, we're going to clear all our cap space for the next superstar that is, you know, wants to leave his current team. And then they just end up never getting them. And they, I don't know, like they put themselves, and th this even goes back pre-Luca. Like how many years in a row did at the, towards the end of his career after the title team, did Dirk like take a way below market contract in order to give the Mavs flexibility to bring more guys in? And how mm. much, how many years in a row did they like not really do anything with that? I just, but what can you do? Like, I don't know. What, like, what do they tell them? Like, what do you tell Luca in this situation? It's like, hey, here's the cap sheet. Here's our roster. Here's where our picks are. We're like, we're kind of screwed, man. They like, are, this is... and who, they are, and whose fault is that? Right. Well, kind of, because this front office group was not responsible for the Porzingis trade. They were responsible for what happened with Jalen Brunson. But the guy that's really, really calling yeah. all the shots is still there. That's the thing. Like, yeah. there are some. There are some front offices where the general manager and the president of basketball operations really does have all the autonomy to mm. do what they want to do. Like you just, you just saw like you're, you know, you're a, you're an Atlanta guy. I know yeah. that like you've, I'm sure you've been following are great. all this stuff going on with the Hawks right now. Yeah, where, having a great time. Like there was a story. I think it was Jeff Schultz in the Athletic wrote something mm. a couple days ago that I read, where basically Travis Schlenk was really against doing the Dejounte Murray trade and giving mm. up all the picks for for that. And then uh, Tony Wrestler, the owner, just came in and like over the top and said, "No, you have to like." My understanding is that no matter whether you know it was Donnie Nelson for however many years or it's Nico Harrison now. Mm. It really is still Cuban that's doing everything. And so even though it is like a new front office, it's still the same guy that's really calling all the shots. And he's somebody that's been heavily involved with those sorts of decisions for years with, I would say, decidedly mixed results. Yeah. I And you know what's funny, too? Because Luca is so good. And they're right now. It might now. not matter. That's the thing. Yeah. Luca is so like Luke. That, that that's like the really the argument, especially with the West being what it is this year. Like mm -hmm. you look at the top of the West. I, like I said earlier, there are three teams that I think we can like clearly say are good with Memphis, Denver, and uh, New Orleans. Yeah. None of those teams are juggernauts. Like there's no Warriors with Kevin Durant that like everybody knows that nobody's going to be able to beat. Even like even though this Mavs roster, honestly, even the Portland roster that I was talking about, like every team one through like eleven. 
mm-hmm. could talk themselves into, you know, if we just get everybody healthy and get the right, you know, matchups in the playoffs, we could make the conference finals. And yeah. the Mavs have, you know, outside of maybe Jokic, they have like the best player out of any of those teams kind of in that group. They It might just not matter that their roster isn't very good if Luka is just doing what Luka does. Yeah, and I would still, I'd, I'd probably say Luka's, I would take Luka at this point over Jokic. And I'm always going to lean guard over I don't know if picks. I would. I don't know if I would. Just, just in, just in the yeah. Jokic instance, but that's, I mean, that's a whole other debate. Which could, like, we might get that in the second round. Like, I think if yeah. you get Kings, Mavs, round one, like, I think I would, <laughs> I'm going to go with Mavs there. And then it's like, at this Maverick, I mean, this Nuggets team can't defend. Like, they still have issues there. And I mean, we'll see what they look like in a seven-game series. That's uh, the thing. Even the top teams, like the Nuggets, yeah. have issues defensively. Uh, New Orleans Memphis like, can't they, score in the half court still. Mem- they, yeah, so. that they still have like issues with their offense. Uh, mm-hmm. New Orleans, like Hell. Zion, yeah, there's Zion. There's like Ingram has been out for like they. they there's no like I said. Yeah. In years past, there was oh the Warriors are just everybody mm-hmm. knows the Warriors are the team that everybody has to beat, and they're probably nobody's going to beat them. That's not there this year. Even yep. the Warriors who. You know, I think a lot of their struggles recently have just been because Steph is out and they've had different guys in and out of the lineup. Steph's back now. They still can't win on the road. It's bizarre. But, yeah. like, they, like, even them, like, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt just because they have the track record of, you know, it's still Steph, Clay, Draymond. They're going to be fine. But they're not unbeatable by any means. Like, they could easily, if, if they lost in the first round, I'd be a little bit surprised, but I wouldn't be, like, completely shocked. Yeah. The Mavs just feel like the LeBron first time around Cavs. Like, totally. that's just what it feels totally. like. Yeah. And guess what? That team got to the finals. And part of it was because the East was pretty open at that time. But also there was that game seven or with the with uh, the Cavs and Pistons where, yeah. which Chauncey Billups still will not talk about, by the way. Really? Like, yeah, he still was like, we should have won that series. We were the better team. But like that, that mm. was, yeah, but that was one where it's like they won that series because LeBron was so good that like, he wasn't going to let them not win this series. I do think there is a chance that Luka is just that good that, you know, they get to the conference finals again, even with this roster. But you could say that about so many other teams too. So it's, I it's really hard to make to re- the NBA finals before the season where I'm like, the thing that people overlook a little bit with this is just that like, okay, do you think Luka is going to be the best player in the West this year? Okay. Well then guess what? That's a strong possibility of him making the NBA finals because it's not a young team around him. They're mm-hmm. sneaky older. Yeah. Um, it's a bunch of high variant shooting. Like there's an easy path to Luca being the best player on the floor and then all their shooters are hot at the same time for two straight rounds like it's it's doable I completely whiffed on my preseason finals pick mm. this was partly because I was well it's not over by... yet you haven't whiffed yet well I feel pretty comfortable saying I whiffed oh, no. on this but Who was I... it? the first preseason game the Blazers played in Seattle was against mm. the Clippers and that was the first game that Kawhi played since tearing the ACL and he looked incredible he Mm. looked like old Kawhi in that preseason game and I saw it up close I saw it in person and I was like if Kawhi is back the Clippers are gonna are gonna run through the West and yeah I'm not I'm not feeling great about that one right now it's not over yet though (laughs) I'm pretty out on the Clippers I'm pretty Mm. out on them because I just don't like I don't trust well either of their guys but Kawhi especially I don't Mike Conley to the rescue doesn't move the needle for you? I have absolutely zero belief that Kawhi is going to be able to stay healthy for an extended period of time. And then you're like, if you're the Clippers, what do you even do? 
like you've you've gone all you in like they're another what one where you, it's like what can you do like i listened to zach Lowe and bill simmons talking about this the other day on i it was one of the two podcasts that they did mm-hmm. uh where bill was saying like you should just try to give up on you know this core and trade Paul George. You could probably get a lot for him, or you know maybe you trade Kawhi. But like, what are you getting for Kawhi at this point? Because who's yeah. going to give up a lot of stuff when you have no idea if he's going to be able to stay healthy for more than like a couple weeks at a time? I don't know. Like that, I understand them trying to go all in the way that they did, and I get it, especially mm. when you're a franchise like the Clippers that's never gotten free agents before, and like you have you know a top five player in the league at the time that wants to go there. I, I get it, but. Mm. It hasn't worked, and I really have no belief that it's going to. I'll see him in person. I'll be back in Atlanta next weekend. And I'm going to Hawks Clippers, so we'll, nice. I, hopefully Kawhi plays in that one. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, if we'll see. <laughs> It'd be nice <laughs> to see can't, Kawhi. You can't count on it. No, um, we danced around them a little bit. I, I think the Warriors do something major at the deadline. My hunch is I don't know if it's Wiseman. I don't know if it's Draymond. If it's Clay. My gut, maybe it's Jordan Poole. I I don't see how they don't because I understand they're right around 500 and the West is wide open as we talked about. I just, I don't know if Joe Lacob's going to be able to continue on with this, what he wants to do of the Spurs model of transitioning from the Duncans or the Robinsons to the Duncans to the Kawhis and just will always be contending. We'll find this seamless transition. I just... I don't know. My gut tells me that they're going to do something major. Does your gut tell you that they will make a the biggest swing of anybody uh, this this deadline? What do we mean by major? What are we defining? Trading one of those big three or four pieces. I think one of those three or four are gone. Clay, Draymond, Poole? Uh, Clay, Draymond, uh, Poole, or Wiseman. Well, one of those is not like the others. Well, the I just mean like he, giving up, just like stopping this charade that James Wiseman is going to be a part of this long-term I future. I think that I could see, but I mm. don't know what his value is because I think we're a few years removed from him having like the mystique of like he's the number two pick by the organization that's light years ahead and everybody mm. thinks he's like a future star and he looked really good his first like couple weeks of his rookie year. Like, I don't know how much value he has, so I think I, I don't think they're like against like if they do something, I think it might be like a trading Wiseman and then, you know, if they want to trade one of the kids, you know, Moody or Kaminga, I could see, you know, them packaging those guys to do I don't know who that would be, but somebody that's more of a win now guy. Mm. I would be shocked if Draymond or Clay or Poole was traded. Like I just mm. I don't I don't see that happening. It's going to be somebody. I think they're, obviously, Steph being hurt for a lot of the years messed things up a little bit. But I think like, that's what they think, too. That They, hmm. they feel like, look, Steph was hurt. You know, we're not worried. Like, they, they also, like, had a very up and down regular season last year. What were they, like, yeah. the three seed last year? Like, they weren't, they weren't like, the greatest yeah. regular season team. But then, like, they got healthy at the right time and they ran through the West. And they, like, they feel like they could do that again. I don't think anything is going to happen as far as, like, breaking up the quote-unquote core. But... I mean, I think they'd like to trade Wiseman for more of a win-now piece. I just don't know what his value really is at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Raptors, you call around and see who of those guys. Because you know we would all love to see any of the the core Raptors pieces outside of Barnes, who's untouchable. I don't think OG or or Siakam are going to get traded at the deadline. Hmm. I think they they will trade either or both of Van Vliet and Trent. Hmm. I think they're not going to trade Siakam or ananobi because i think they're still like it's kind of they're in kind of this weird spot where like 
and I think this might actually just like come back to hurt them at some point, but mm. Masai is kind of in the Daryl Morey, Danny Ainge zone of hmm. like, he's not going to do a trade unless he wins the trade, quote unquote. Interesting. And so you're not going to get OG or Pascal unless you're giving up, like I was talking about earlier, like the Rudy Gobert, the Donovan Mitchell, like that type of return because Masai has to uphold his reputation of like i always win the trade i always get the most value for my guys mm. and i just don't know how many teams are like i heard that the that they're asking for three first round picks right now for og and anobi which mm. you're gonna get three first round i mean og's really good but he'd help a lot of teams you're gonna get three first round picks for a guy that's never made an all-star team okay all right would you do caruso for wiseman I don't know what that does for the Bulls if they're still trying to stay in the playoff mix. I don't know mm. what that does. I, I mean, I, I think I probably would do that if I was the Warriors. I don't know if I'd do that if I was the Bulls. Yeah. I don't know. I am extremely interested to see what happens uh, with them uh, over the next month or so. Uh, last big topic for you, Sean. We've talked about this a little bit, but mm-hmm. the team that you trust the most, based on everything you've watched at this point uh, in the NBA season... Who in the West do you actually trust the most? That you not even that you think is the most likely to win the title, but who do you who do you feel most certain about you? And you can't answer the Blazers because that's cheating. You watch I am all the absolutely. Blazers. I am absolutely not going to answer the Blazers. <laughs> by the way, I do. I even if I could answer them, that I I don't think they're the team that I trust the most in the Western Conference. Just a spoiler alert. That's not the team I'm going to say. There you go. Who is it? Who is the team that you feel like you trust the most? You know exactly who this team is at this point. Is it a cop out to say nobody? Yes, you got to go somebody. You got you to pick somebody. I guess Memphis. Okay, why? I don't feel great about it. I just feel like they don't have the defined weaknesses like the other, like, hmm. I, I just, I, I don't feel great about it. Is it weird that I feel way better about New Orleans than I do Memphis? Not at all. Okay. No, because I don't think any team has really separated themselves, so that's not weird at all. The issue, uh, the issue with New Orleans is, you know, is Zion going to be healthy? Like, right. is Bi going to be healthy? Like, but they're no, they're really good too. Like, I like. Would and, you take who would you take in a seven game series if they're both healthy? Both if everybody's healthy. healthy, probably New Orleans, right? But that's also like if everybody's healthy, and we don't yeah. know if everybody's going to be healthy. But I don't even know if that's a common. Th- I don't know if that's a common take. I think a lot of people would probably lean Memphis in NBA media, and I just I'm not that guy. I, Memphis, I, I feel bad because they're fun. Desmond Bain's a great story. Jaw's super fun. Uh, Jaron Jackson adding the post moves. Finally, just he seems being... like he's just finally really put. Like he's since he got healthy, he seems like he's finally turning into the guy that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him. Like it's finally happening for him, which is awesome. It is. It's great. I love it. But I'm not betting on their health. Like I, if I could sell any contender stock just based on health alone, it's Jaw, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson all being healthy enough for a title run. Like I don't, I don't ever see that happening. I think it's too much too much volatility there. I don't know about ever, but I don't I don't know this, this like I was saying the west is just so like that's why I asked you if it was a cop out to say nobody because hmm. there's not a team that I look at and say this team is definitely going to be it would it would it like it would surprise you because like hmm. they've never done it before. But if you told me that the Sacramento Kings won two playoff series and got to the Western Conference Finals, would you be like, yeah. like you'd be surprised by it? But would you be like, wow, how did this possibly happen? Yes, eh. the the team's not been in the playoffs in so long, and this is that that's that's a lot for year one with Mike Brown. I would be pretty surprised. And look, I'm a big Kevin Herter guy, Kevon Herter. 
uh, as John. Collins. I like the Kings a lot too, but that, yeah. uh, but it's not that's not even about really believing in the Kings as I mean, much. That's as the Western Conference Finals. Uh, as much as like them. I don't, I don't believe in any other team so strongly that I definitely don't believe in in them. And you could say that about like any like. Do you know Phoenix. what I do believe in? Do you know who my answer would be for this? Who? I think it's the Suns. Wow, like, I, I do not agree with that at all. The I Suns? The Sun- let me make my case. Okay. I think the reason I have the Suns is like, we know now, like, when they're hurt, like, okay, this is who they are. They're a borderline play-in team. When they have Cam Johnson at the four, and what they looked like at the beginning of this season, when they had their main five and their normal bench guys campaign and company and if jay crowder was uh playing basketball but for that's them, not gonna happen is the problem that's not gonna happen but tory craig at that four spot like their starting five is going to be really good if they're all healthy together like i know exactly who the suns are when healthy like that is the thing is like the suns are not any different than who they've been in the last two years they've just been hurt and cam johnson looked really good before he went down like that healthy group with booker paul Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. Like, I know exactly what I'm getting there. I know exactly who that team is. But I ask you again, just like mm. with New Orleans, how much do you actually believe that those guys are all going to be healthy? Yeah, I think and that ship sailed. the Chris Paul decline, like, that yeah. people have been saying is going to come and it didn't come the year before, his first year in Phoenix, it didn't come last year. It's kind of starting to come now. Like, he's kind of finally starting to look 36 or however old that he is. Like, mm. is he going to hold up? He, even, like, even when he's healthy, even, like, when he was younger, he always would kind of wear down in the playoffs. Like, I – and, you know, there's still, like, the the, the, the Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton vibes are still – like, I, I, I would be – I would say that the Suns are more likely to miss the play-in than they are to win West. That would be a wild offseason. If they miss the play-in with this group, they might have to. Gracious. I mean, what what – I, well, you know, it, Portland's calling about that one. Like, that's a dream scenario for Portland. Devin Booker missing the playoffs. Mikhail Bridges missing looked, the playoffs. They talked about Aiton last spring when Ooh. that... Do you want Aiton? I think they would take the swing. What I know about mm. Joe Cronin is he likes to take high upside swings, and I think he would feel like, you know, that's enough of a high upside thing with the talent that like they could they, they could absorb it. I think that's something... Mm. Like, that, I, like I said, it's something I think they looked at last spring, and I think it's something that they would look at if it came available again. Interesting. But I, I like, I think you'd obviously Mikel Bridges is the guy that most teams would want to get, but it's like, if you're not going to trade Devin Booker, you have to kind of keep Mikel Bridges because he's the yeah. most sure thing guy to kind of keep around him. That's like sort of on his same age, you know, curve and, and Cam knows. Johnson too. Yeah. Yeah. That's another that, good man. I like that's a guy. A that's a guy I would be trying to get if I was another team because then yeah. I'd be like, hey, you know, you still got to pay him. Are you sure you want to pay him? Like that's how I would be. That's how I would approach it if I was. I'm surprised Crowder for John Collins hasn't happened yet. Like that was just one that I thought was obvious and I would do like as a Hawks guy, like at this point, like, yeah, just bring in Crowder for like the shooting and the offense in Atlanta has really fallen off a cliff this year. I, I don't, don't like the Jay Crowder situation at all. I don't no. think it makes either of them look good. Like if I were, if I were the. If I were the Suns, mm-hmm. if I were like Suns management, I would go to Jay Crowder and say, look, we will work on finding you a trade. We, you know, I understand, you know, why you're unhappy, whatever. But in the meantime, you're healthy and you're under contract and we would like for you to play and help our team. I just, I don't think it's a good Seems look. Seems like a nice ask. I don't think it's a good look when a player, like if he was injured, then whatever. But I don't like it. 
I didn't like it when the... And I don't like it from the team side or the player side. I didn't like it when the Rockets just, like, had John Wall and just didn't play him because they yeah. wanted to. I didn't, like, I didn't, like, I thought it was weird what the Thunder did with Al Horford that one year that they had him. I don't like it when healthy players who are capable of playing, whether it's the team's decision or the player's decision, just don't play. Like, And then I, it's like, how do you do it? Because you can't legislate rotations. Like, no, you can't, but I just, I don't, I just, I don't like it. And, it, and mm. honestly, like, if you're another team, like... We now have this, you know, data point of Jay Crowder not being happy with his role, so he just doesn't show up. Are you going to give up a lot of stuff for that? I don't know if yeah. I would. Do you think they text back and forth in all caps to match Jay? Do you think it's a requirement that to negotiate with Jay Crowder, you have to you have to type in all caps just like him? Maybe that's where the impasse is. Maybe that's mm. where the disconnect is. I couldn't do that. Can you imagine texting with someone who only types in caps? Like you just get caps lock from all text from that particular person. That's better than if you were texting with Cam Newton, where he has all those mm. weird like character fonts, the scribbles and stuff with yeah. his the symbols and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean Hyken, what can the good folks check out from you over at Rose Garden Report this week? Just a lot of coverage of the Blazers. I just today just put up the newest episode of the podcast, which features Bill Orem, who is now the Oregonians uh, sports columnist, but covered the Lakers for a long time mm-hmm. for various outlets. And so that was kind of a fun, wide-ranging conversation with him. That just went up today. Uh, been covering, you know, I, I just had a piece the other day of Nasir Little returning from his uh, hip injury. So that's, you know, that that just came went out the other day. You've got some stuff coming up. But just go to rosegardenreport.com. Subscribe. You can do a free or a paid subscription. I would encourage you to do the paid subscription because there's a lot of kind of exclusive stuff there that you're not really getting, I think, from anyone else that's covering the team. So it's I, I I do my best to make it worth your money for those of you who do decide to subscribe. And then the podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere that you get that. Yeah, you're on YouTube now. Go subscribe. I am. That just that's that's a recent thing. Yeah, we're all on YouTube. Uh, everything they want to watch us, Sean, instead of just listening to us now. They want to watch what the us. Algor- that's what the algorithm says. So yeah, so there we're you on go. It. Sean Hyken, always a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, good to talk to you, man. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. VolQuest Brent Hubs is back. Brent, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you again, my man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, what's the latest on the Gibbs uh, football field front? Is it is it done? Where are no. we at right now, Brent? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not close. I don't. Um, you know, it's it's really a, a, a sad situation, particularly for the soccer team. Mm-hmm. Uh, soccer is supposed to start in a little over a month. Uh, we'll see. Uh, they're getting close to mm-hmm. being able to to do one side of the stands, uh, but they don't have the material yet. And I hate it for the soccer kids because. Uh, if you're a senior soccer player this year, you lost your uh, your freshman year. You're probably a JV guy. Your sophomore year, mm-hmm. you lost to COVID. Actually, you lost your freshman year to COVID. Uh, and then you haven't been in your stadium. yet. You haven't played in your home stadium. And so as bad as it is for football, it's actually worse for the boys' soccer team. Uh, yeah. who have just not had the opportunity to play there. So anyway, we'll see. The, um, the contractor is getting fined uh, a set amount of money every day to, to not be done. But – there you He's go. Got other delays in there and everything else. So we'll see what it looks like maybe by August. 
I well, you know, with East Tennessee, like I, it, it's snowing one week, it's hot the next. Like I have no idea what to expect. But that's exactly right. It's a mud mess right now. That's for sure. It is a mud mess. Um, the best vol transfer thus far will be who for you, Brent? Oh wow, that's that's a good question. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Thornton from from mm. Oregon, and, and I'm gonna say that simply because I think he'll be the most productive. Okay, um, when you look at the receiver position and and what Josh Heupel does with his, his offense and how important a slot receiver is. And I know we got Squirrel White there, but um, you, know, you got Thornton who can play inside and outside. So I, I would go with him. Mm. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see Andre Couric, the uh, mm. offensive lineman from Texas, because with Jerome Carvin's departure, I think that guard spot's you know pretty open there. Uh, mm. I think it's going to be Couric and Ollie Lane battling it out for that spot. And, and Ollie's been solid when called upon. I don't think anybody deems him a great player, but – They've certainly been serviceable with him in as a guard. So, you know, that one's a bit intriguing. And then I think the other question is, is Tennessee done? Hmm. You know, will, will they get another transfer um, in in next few weeks? Will they get some more, in, you know, somebody else in the spring? Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, I like what they've done in the portal overall in terms of the transfer they've got. They've all, they all make a lot of sense. And um, maybe the, maybe the kid from Miami at tackle might be the most hmm. Yeah, when it's all said and done because of the loss of Darnell Wright. Am I crazy for thinking Keenan Peely might be the most underrated of the class? No, I, but and here's why. One, I think people kind of gloss over him because he was not as productive last yeah. year for BYU as he was the year before and or, or two years ago. And, and obviously, he was coming off an ACL when he played last year. Generally, year two after that ACL surgery – you're a much better player. So to see mm. get all of his lateral quickness back this year or close to it, because I don't think he had it all back this past year. Uh, smart guy who I think is going to fit in nicely. I like what they did there and getting a veteran guy in there with yeah. Aaron Beasley to help bring those young guys along. They love their five young guys. Mm. Okay, You talk about Caleb Perry, you talk about Elijah Herring, and you talk about the three newcomers that have just come in. Uh, that they really like what they have in front of them at linebacker, but they're probably not ready. Yeah. And so you get somebody to go with Beasley, um, and, and that gives them a chance to really build their depth this fall. And and I give Brian Jean Marie credit. He rotated that linebacker crew throughout this past season, and it paid dividends for him because when he got into not having Jeremy Banks in the bowl game, you didn't notice it. Uh, he didn't play Juwan Mitchell for the first half, and you didn't really notice it because mm -hmm. he had rotated guys all year long. And so nobody was like swimming upstream trying to figure out what to do in this defense. Which transfer are you the most uncertain about contributing this year? Oh wow! Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that they've taken a guy where you say, "Boy, I, that that's a huge reach," right? I mean, hmm. I think they've all had they've all had needs. You know, the, what they took makes sense. I don't think they took a body to take a body at, at mm. this point, uh, which, you know, we've seen that in the past and, and it doesn't pan out very well. Um, I understand why they took the kicker. That'll be an interesting competition. Mm. You know, does he win that battle um, or, or does, does JT Carver win that battle? There'll be a kicking competition there, but they had to bring in a kicker to create some competition because they didn't have any there. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, one guy I hadn't even talked about who I think is going to have to make a big impact for him as well is the Castles kid that yeah. tied in from, from UC Davis. I mean, when you look at where they are at tight end, he's got to be able to play because you can't ask Jacob Warren to play every snap at tight end. So 
Um, he could have as big an impact as anybody has on, on this one. You know, Norman Lott, the kid from Arizona State, I think will fit right into the rotation with Rodney Garner. You know, I would question that one a little bit, but I don't as much because Rodney Garner's known him for over a year. They've got a relationship hmm. there. They know each other pretty well. That's not a, hey, let's have two phone calls and get married type deal, right? Mm -hmm. That's a situation where they were down the road pretty good last year until he went back into the port or went back out of the portal and stayed at Arizona State. So when he went back in this year, that was a pretty obvious, um, okay, you, you know, th this makes the most sense because I know we know each other the most. So I, I think he'll fit in and, and play with Rodney Garner. So I, I, overall, again, I like what they've, what they've gotten done in the portal to this point. The freshman who plays the most amount of snaps for this Tennessee team of the 2023 class is who? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I'm going to say a DB. Um, okay. I'm going to say one of those DBs, Jordan Matthews, um, Ricky Gibson. Uh, I just think they have to get more athletic back there. I, mm -hmm. I really do. I think they have to be committed to playing somebody back there, and they, and they have to be more athletic. Um, so I, I just think when you look at, at that, that makes the most sense. Now, the quarterback thing's the X factor. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's just let's just be real honest here. We all like what Joe did in the bowl game. The question with Joe is 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 that the Joe we're going to see all the time? You know, is Joe going to build off of that, or is Joe going to be pretty content where he's at? And how much does does Nico push in the spring? So um, th there's the X factor. If, if for some reason it becomes Nico's job, then the answer is going to be Nico. Um, it's just, is that going to be his job at any point in time? I think Nico's done well, um, even though he was only here for a couple of weeks. I like the way he approached it. There was not a lot of, look at me, I'm the superstar, give me all the reps, or put me ahead of the line, I'm ahead of a walk-on type deal. I think he settled in and learned. Mm -hmm. uh, now, he's going to walk back in here next week and go, all right, it's go time for me. And how does he go about that? And what does that look like? And then the other part of that factor too, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, is, is, is how does Joe handle himself this offseason? Mm. A year ago, Joe had a really good offseason. But how much of that was the influence of Hendon Hooker, his roommate? You know, Hendon's mm. walking out the door, going to the complex to throw. If you're the backup quarterback, you probably feel like you need to get in the car and go with him, right? Mm. Um, Hendon's not going to be here to do that. So where's Joe's drive? Does it stay at the same place that it was a year ago when Hendon Hooker was here? Just as much as Joe helped Hendon kind of relax and go play the game, I think Hendon helped Joe to work hard and put the effort in that he needed to to improve. So what does that look like with those two not having each other this spring? Did they give Joe a new roommate? Who is it? Gonna, is it going to be Nico? Who's going to be Joe's new roommate? I don't think it's going to be Nico. I think Nico's going to be in the dorm over there. I don't. You know, Joe may live by himself. He may hmm. live. I don't know where Joe's going to live or who's going to live with Joe in his apartment. But um, how's the dog going to deal? Like the dog is getting broken up with. He's not going to have know, his. We got, we got a we got a doggy divorce. We got all yeah. kinds of stuff going on at this point. So goodness. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. And and I don't mean to suggest that Joe doesn't work hard. I just yeah. think that. Sometimes when you're they help each other every day like that, you know, when, when your roommate comes in and the first thing he does is pull out his his laptop or turn on the TV and he's watching film while he's mm -hmm. eating his supper, you kind of gravitate towards that, right? Mm -hmm. So so is that same is that does it continue at that kind of pace that it was at for Joe this past year? I don't know the answer to that. We'll find out. 
Also, as someone who's in the building for Joe's first iteration uh, as starting quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers, um, as you know this very well, covering the team and being here for uh, as long as you have, Brent, um, the Tennessee fans, uh, if Joe is struggling uh, against Virginia, if Joe is not uh, hitting some some deep shots through two to three weeks and Nico is on the sideline, not Harrison Bailey, as someone who is in the building when fans are screaming all around me in the pit game for Harrison Bailey, like screaming with Nico, who is now the number one overall recruit um, per on three. I I just, I don't envy the situation Joe's walking into because Tennessee fans are saying all the right things right now. Everyone wants Joe to succeed and love the relationship between him and Hinton and he stayed. But I am telling you, once it starts and these games kick back off, Tennessee fans are going to forget the Hendon Hooker relationship if we're in a dogfight with UVA in the third quarter. Like, we just will. Yeah, well, and I mean, here's the thing. I mean, everybody around the country loves the backup quarterback. Yeah. Unless unless your quarterback is – look at Georgia, right? I mean, here's Stetson Bennett, who's like this national great story. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, you could go to a bar in Athens, Georgia on a Saturday and go, well, I mean, he's doing okay. But I, I'm telling you, if they'll play the Becker and Vandergriff kid, we'd be yeah. so much better. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's just – that's. I mean, with the exception of a few teams out there, I mean, nobody in Buffalo is claiming for the backup quarterback mm-hmm. to, to be the starter for the Bills, right? I mean, mm-hmm. nobody wants Josh Allen on the bench. Nobody's wanting Patrick Mahomes to go to the bench, you know? But mm-hmm. everybody, yeah, a lot of other people around there are loving the backup quarterback. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, the high school level, the college level, the NFL level in a lot of ways. If you struggle at that quarterback position, the backup quarterback is always the better play. Now, does it turn out to be? No. But in, in the case of Hendon Hooker, it was. Yeah. I mean, he turned out to be the better the better option for Tennessee when Joe got hurt. And um, so that's just another feather in the cap for fans who are always claiming for the backup quarterback. See what happened last time we did this? Look, it, it worked out great, right? Um, so you're yeah. right. I mean, it, Joe's in a tough spot because there's going to be pressure on Joe. And they and just gravitate they, to Nico, right? Like I was in the old city when he was here yeah. for when they were prepping for Miami. I was like, I was walking by and it's just people. He's a celebrity. I've never seen this in a car. Like, he is a celebrity. Nico is going to have trouble walking around anywhere. Like, people recognize him immediately. He was with his dad, and it's just they want to talk to him, and he's a super nice kid and everything. But, like, it's a whole different. Harrison Bailey did not have that when he was on campus. No, not at all. I mean, Nico has got his own brand, his own Mm -hmm. persona. Um, You know, and and it it is different. You know, And and it's different for Joe because as flashy as Joe can be, Mm -hmm. it's different. I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the pressure's on Joe. There's no pressure on Nico at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, when he gets on the field, it's like, can you live up to your billing and everything? But right now, it's hopes, dreams, and aspirations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is not that there's no there's no judgment to this point other than yeah. he's great. That The judgment is that he's great. And then, you know, the flip side of it for Joe is, Joe, can you do it again? Mm-hmm. Joe, can you hold him off? You know, Joe, can you execute in this offense? Can you hit the deep ball consistently, which you haven't been able to do? How are you going to play when everything is on your shoulders? It was easy Mm. to play last year when you're playing in mop-up duty. Yeah, you played well in the Clemson game. Congratulations. But, right, you got to go out and prove it. Yeah. And so that's kind of where Joe's at right now is Joe's in that he's got to go prove it to everybody phase because you're right. You know, hey, 
first two in, you throw some incompletions the first two series in Nashville against Virginia, they're going to yes. be clamoring for Nico. How I mean, do you respond to it? Yeah, absolutely. How do you respond to him? How does this coaching staff manage it? How do they handle that? I think that's going to be an interesting question to look at too. Is like, you know, people are going to be asking in preseason camp, "Hey, do you have a plan to get Nico in the game and reform?" <laughs> right? Is I mean, is he going to play? Do you have a series for him? Do you have a special mm-hmm. package for him? You know, that t- those are going to be the types of questions that are going to be out there a little bit. Yeah. And um, you know, how they manage Nico and, and where he's at will all depend on how well he competes and where he's put himself in and and then where Joe's at. I'll say this, Josh Heupel, we've learned how competitive he is through two years. He can play whoever gives him a chance to win. It doesn't matter. He's going to play the guy that gives him the best chance to win. And uh, right now you feel like that's going to be Joe, but where that's at eight months from now, we won't find out. It'll be an interesting, interesting opening month of the season for sure. The biggest thing you're right about before the year on the 2022 Vols and the biggest thing that you were wrong about before the 2022 season on the Vols? Well, I'm going to give you the one I was right about, and I'm not okay. going to I'm not going to beat my chest like I'm a, like I'm a hero or anything. Mm-hmm. I thought Jalen Hyatt would have a breakout season. Okay, I did not think Jalen Hyatt <laughs> would, would become a, a folk hero in the Alabama game. So I want to be yeah. I want I didn't say anything like that, mm-hmm. but I thought Jalen Hyatt was completely different going into the year compared to where he was last year, mm. and that was just from um, just from his just his demeanor and how he carried himself. Mm-hmm. He literally stood in the complex two years ago. Um, while Valus Jones is making plays and Jalen's not playing. And, and Jalen Hyatt comes through every day with his headphones on like this mm-hmm. and it's turned down. He doesn't speak. And immediately you're thinking transfer portal guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, out of here. He, you know, he's not staying. And then you go and stand in that complex in spring during spring practice. And he comes by and he's got a big smile on his face. And he just says, you know, Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up? He shakes your hand. He stops to speak to multiple people. And you're like, man, this guy's different. There's something mm. different about him. And and I thought as a result of where his demeanor was, he had a chance to have a somewhat breakout season. It mm. was enhanced by the injury to Cedric Tillman. It forced the ball more to him, and, and he capitalized on that. So that one I would quote, I guess, be right about, if you will. Where I, where I wasn't right, I thought they'd be better in the secondary. Hmm. I thought they would take a step in the secondary. I don't. I don't think they played very well in the secondary. I knew they would miss Alante Taylor, and I knew they would miss Theo Jackson. But I thought they would be year two in that system. I thought the safeties would play better, and, and I thought that they would be able to get some some more production uh, out of what they got in the back end. Now they had some injuries and all those things, but they they just didn't play very well at the safety position. So I I was wrong about the secondary. I didn't think they'd be great. But mm. I didn't think they would play as poorly as they played at times. If you had to tell fans what the biggest change offensively uh, from Hendon Hooker to Joe Milton next fall will be like for them watching the game, what do you think will be the most jarring for them? The the, the inability to create a first down and a third down scramble. Which is weird, right? Like you would just not think that's a thing for him. Yeah, but it just is. Joe, Joe's kind of a long strider. He doesn't have mm. a ton of wiggle. Mm. He can run, you know, like we saw it on the, the single wing sweeps, right? Yeah. Like that's good. But w- when the pocket collapses, instead of kind of tucking it and, and making a, you know, shaking a safety or shaking a linebacker and, you know, getting to the sticks, 
I don't I don't see that as a big part of Joe's game. Um, mm. I, I don't. I think they'll call some design runs for him. But in terms of freelancing when things break down, I'm not sure. He will not do what Hendon Hooker has done for Tennessee. So what's the counter mm. to that? Do they have – do they keep a back end to block and then he leaks out and you got a little safety valve there? Mm. They didn't have to have a back as a safety valve the last year and a half with Hendon Hooker because if it's third and six and it breaks down and everybody's playing man coverage, they turn their back and take off running, mm. Hendon's going to take off running. And he might outrun the spy, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know that Joe can do that. So I think that's the one area where you're going to see – um, a, a difference. I think from a throw stand, throwing standpoint, I, Joe can make every throw. Mm. Um, th- there, there's no doubt about that. I think they'll run the ball, of, you know, pretty effectively uh, again next year. I think it's the third down breakdown plays that's going to feel different for fans. Well, that's not great, Brent. Don't feel great about that. Um, I, I, I don't know. That's not his. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't feel great. Uh, I'm a, that's going to make some balls. He's a different type player. I mean, yeah. he's just he's, he's just a different he's just a different kind People of guy. He's screaming when it's wide open. The field's just wide open for him to run it and like no, just scramble. I, I think yeah. in those scenarios, you're going to see him run. I okay, mean, if good. People turn their back. Yeah, and and it opens wide up. He's not going to be afraid to run. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is, when the pocket collapses, I mean, how many Houdinis did we see Hooker? Yeah. you know, kind of drop his head and guy kind of rolls over his back, and the next mm-hmm. thing you know, he's out the door you know, down the sideline, you're like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think Joe's got that, that to that degree, that element in his game. He will mm-hmm. run. I mean, we've seen that. And I think yeah. he will run more effectively than he did uh, when he was a starter before he got hurt. And, and even that first year, I think he's a more effective runner. He just doesn't have Hendon's wiggle. He, he doesn't have the open field ability to make people miss as, as much as Hendon did, in my opinion. Last question. The back who leads the Vols and carries next year will be who? Back who leads the Vols and carries. Uh, Jalen Wright. Ooh. I think it's going to be Jalen Wright. I would you be surprised if it's Samson? Yes, I would be surprised if it's Dylan Sampson. Unless Dylan Sampson puts on uh, you know, muscle and strength. I, I think mm. Jalen Wright's a better player than he probably got credit for this year. Okay. Yeah, I think Jalen Wright deserved more carries than what he got. If he doesn't, if he doesn't have fumble issues early. Um, you know, he may end up getting more carries. I don't know if Jabari Small's shoulder can stay healthy. I, I know mm-hmm. Jerry Mack really likes Jabari Small. Here's the problem with the running back carries. It's it's how does the how does the offense click when the rotation falls your way? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you're if you're the guy on the field when they get that first first down and it gets going, guess what? You're gonna get eight or ten plays in a yeah. row, which means you might get four carries on that drive. Whereas if you don't make the first first down, it's three and out, and you're out the next rotation, mm. then all of a sudden you may not even have gotten a carry, much less three or four on that drive. So um, I, I think right now, from a complete standpoint, strength, running ability, I, I think Jalen Wright is the best back on this team. Now we'll see where Dylan Sampson is with an offseason of work because I love Dylan Sampson. Yeah. I, I love his upside. I do. I think he's got to get a little stronger. Mm. Um but I don't know if Dylan Sampson's a, you know, if he's a heavy, I don't know if he's going to carry it, you know, 15, 18, 20 times a game. He may you be don't really have to in this offense. Yeah, he may be an eight to 10 carry guy. And he may mm-hmm. lead the team in rushing with fewest, the fewest carries. Right. You know, the, the way Jalen Wright kind of did this year. Remember this about Jalen Wright last year. No preseason practice. 
Mm-hmm. Didn't go through preseason camp. He had that hamstring injury. And he will be in the spring, right? It's Jabari Small who will not be available right. this spring. Small's yeah. out this spring. Jalen's going to go this spring. Okay. But I think it took Jalen Wright a month to kind of get rounded into shape. You know, mm. he didn't have any carries. That's why you saw a couple of those early fumbles. But I think when you go back and look, look at the Alabama game in the second mm. half, a couple of really tough runs that he had. He had some runs down the stretch. He got into a pretty good little rhythm and a, and a pretty good – a pretty good uh, lather of work there d- down the stretch of the season. So um, I-, I think I think he took significant strides from year one to year two, and I think there's a chance he can take some another significant step year two to year three. I love it. Uh, Brent, thank you so much for the time. Uh, uh, this is always a pleasure and sure. uh, a treat to be able to talk Tennessee football with you. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. What can the good folks check out from you over at uh, VolQuest.com this week? Well, with, you know, obviously the portal is closing, so we'll yeah. make sure nobody else is jumping in the portal. See if Tennessee gets another edition before school starts on Monday. Uh, coverage of basketball. We got a little baseball coverage for you. More coverage from um, Nico at the Polynesian Bowl as well. And you never know what might be coming down the pike on the football front over the course of the next couple of days. It is it is, after all, Tennessee football. So there seemingly is always news. The mm. good news for Tennessee fans is it's been very positive news for a long time now, and you would certainly expect that to continue. So we'll keep deep diving into Tennessee football. Uh, junior Day coming up on the 28th again, so a lot mm. more recruiting coverage coming up in the next couple of weeks. And again, the second-ranked baseball team in the country is getting ready to take the field in, what, a month? Yeah. Something like that. So Can't wait. It's a pretty fun time right now to be a Tennessee fan. There's a lot of good things going on. Rick Barnes, even though they blew a game to Kentucky, still in, in decent shape there. Baseball team's got a lot of hype. Football team's got a ton of momentum. Um, Lady Vols are winning games. It's a pretty good time to be a Vol fan right now. That's why everybody's applying to go to school over there all of a sudden. Uh, well, that's that's the goal, right? Like, uh, just, get everybody there, right? Yeah. Um, hey, I'm done. I'm out. I, I graduated. I got my master's. I'm you out. Had like, enough. <laughs> I man, I'm telling you, I'm enough. But you know what? For baseball season, it's gonna bother me because I got in free all the time. I just flashed my ID and I would get in for all this. And now with Tennessee, you can't being get great, that thing validated one more semester. A man of your pool. I Come might. on, man. Don't you I, walk in and say, "Hey, I'm Chase Thomas." <laughs> it didn't work. I, we'll see. You never know, right? I can try it. What are you gonna yeah. do? Look that hard? Like I'm yeah. still a graduate student. I still look the yeah. look the part. I'm right. 31. I don't look anywhere you near. Work, it. You gotta work that system better than that. Yeah. Come on. I, I, I well, you know what? I did work it once. I, I proposed to my uh, now wife um, the day I went to a Georgia. Was it or I think it was Tennessee Auburn was the weekend that they were playing, and. I went over and I was like, hey, I understand it's sold out and everything, but like I just proposed to my wife or uh, like a couple hours ago. Um, I wouldn't make this up. Here's the ring and all that. Can you just let us in the side gate and we'll just go. They're like, they went back and forth and they're thinking about it. I'm like, whatever you want to do. I just spent a lot of money today and I did all the like, let's just let me in. I'm a student. I'm a graduate student. Like just this is how we want to wrap up our day. Just let us in. And they, they let me in. Question. It was cool. Here's my question. Was she impressed or was she like, Really, dude, you proposed, and this is the best you have. Well, hold on. The proposal is to take me to a sold-out baseball game with no ticket, or you're trying <laughs> to basically bum your way into the stadium. This is how we're going to get this thing started? Is that, is, I mean, which way did she go with this deal? She was all in. I mean, she was having a great day because she was still riding off the high of getting like the engagement and everything else because we did go downtown. Like My family came in. Her dad was around. Like We did the whole family stuff during the day, and then I was like, she was like, what do you want to do at night? And I was like, well, you know what I want to do tonight? Like, I, that, like, if honestly, if I have a choice here, if I was staying how the next three hours go, 
Uh, I'm going to choose Tennessee Auburn if we could do that. <laughs> I would prefer to go see a bat flip and a fur coat and a daddy hat. Yeah, that that's me. So she's a good sport. But she also loves baseball because she can lay out and she can get a tan going. Like baseball is the easiest for me to get her to go to games with me well, uh, for Tennessee. I, I, I can tell you, if she was on board with it, Mm-hmm. And you've you found the right one. Congratulations! Yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you a quick story on when I knew I was going to marry my wife. Who yeah. we've been married twenty five years now. I mm-hmm. guess. So we're going on a date. Mm-hmm. I'm working at the radio station with Mike Keith. We're going on a date, and we're going out. We're dressed up. We're going on a. It's it's date night, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna go have a nice dinner somewhere. She's in school at UT. I've just finished. She's like. A semester and a half behind me, two semesters, a year behind me, something like that. So we're going on a date and I am driving down the road. This is like 97 ish. I got the Zach Morse cell phone <laughs> with the long antenna, right? Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call from, uh, from the boss that said, Hey, um, I, w- I want to say it was, it was either Mickey Allen or Buck Fitzgerald. One of the two was committed. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike was tied up with something with his, with his wife and daughter and said, Hey, I need you to, I need you to handle that recruitment. And so mm. we completely blew off dinner. I drug her to the radio station. I interviewed the kid. I wrote the story. I prepared everything. We broke it on the news. And then I had it for the next morning for the radio station. And we ended up at Crystal for something. Mm-hmm. And yet she still married me. So there you I go. At that point, when she was willing to go back out on another date, yeah. to see about maybe me taking her to dinner yet another time, she said, yeah, I'll go. So I better I better go to work and get this get this deal done here because most people are like don't ever call me again. You're, <laughs> you're picking this guy in a recruiting story over that. Mm-hmm. So if she's if she's cool with going to baseball game, yeah. After you've after you've brought the family in town to give the ring, yeah. You, you made the wise choice, my friend. I think so. We're still good. We're uh, and let me tell you the the feeling of not having to plan for a wedding anymore is unlike anything else i've ever experienced you're like involved I'll, in that brent that's how it like there's so many questions that i never thought i would have to answer where i was i was under attack all <laughs> the, the time gl- the lost look you're like i brent i was under attack where she would like there is questions that I, i'm sure you're well aware of you don't have an opinion on like i did not have an opinion and she would get mad that I didn't have an opinion. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have an opinion on what kind of flowers. Because you know if you answer it wrong, if yes. your opinion's wrong, it only makes matters worse. Correct. So there's the, I don't care is a bad answer. Yes. That means, that, you that just, means that's you, a problem. You really don't care about our biggest day. Yes. But if you, if you care and you give the wrong answer, it's just as bad, if not yes. a worse answer. So Ringo's like, tea leaves are hard, man. I, I tell people where I'm like a diary somewhere where she's planned it since <laughs> she was, you know, 18, 22, yeah. whatever. Here's what my wedding's going to look like. You have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, she's like, do you like this shade of whatever mm-hmm. color it is? Yeah. Yeah. You're I'm just like, sure. like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like this shade. <laughs> like, and it was one of those things where I'm like, I promise I won't notice. Like, I don't, I'm not going to pick up on any of this. Like, I, I just. Like, do you like this font in the invitation? Yeah, I'm like, like invitations. What? Really? Don't Can we, we just not just text them? Text? Yeah, <laughs> we're just group text. Hey, we're we're getting married at five. If you want to come by? That'd be great. Gifts are appreciated. Oh my goodness! And those are just that's an easy way to a fight if you go down that rabbit hole. Just you just learn. There's so many landmines in planning a wedding that you're just you're not prepared for. No matter how much a uh, fellow married men will tell you, you until you're actually in the foxhole, you have no idea what you're up against. So 
uh, to it's all the future. Lo- it's a lonely place. It's it a is lonely, a lonely, lonely place. place. <laughs> Brent Hobbs, this was awesome. I appreciate you making the time and uh, you have yourself a great rest of your week. Stay safe out there and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. Holler at me anytime, bud. Good to see Will you. Do. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.